0: Letter forty-seven of Clarissa Harlowe, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, Volume Two by Samuel Richardson. Letter forty-seven. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Howe, Ivy Summerhouse, eleven o'clock. He has not yet got my letter. And while I was contriving here how to send my officious jaileress from me, that I might have time for the intended interview, and had hit upon an expedient, which I believe would have done, came my aunt, and furnished me with a much better. She saw my little table-covered, preparative to my solitary dinner, and hoped, she told me, that this would be the last day, that my friends would be deprived of my company at table you may believe my dear that the thoughts of meeting mr lovelace for fear of being discovered together with the contents of my cousin dolly's letter gave me great invisible emotions she took notice of them why these sighs why these heavings here said she patting my neck oh my dear niece who would have thought so much natural sweetness could be so very unpersuadable i could not answer her and she proceeded i am come i doubt upon a very unwelcome errand some things have been told us yesterday which came from the mouth of one of the most desperate and insolent men in the world, convince your father and all of us, that you still find means to write out of the house. Mr. Lovelace knows everything that is done here, and that as soon as done, and great mischief is apprehended from him, which you are as much concerned as anybody to prevent. Your mother has also some apprehensions concerning yourself, which yet she hopes are groundless, but, however, cannot be easy, if she would, unless while you remain here in the garden or in this summer-house you give her the opportunity once more of looking into your closet, your cabinet and drawers it will be the better taken if you give me cheerfully your keys i hope my dear you won't dispute it your desire of dining in this place was the more readily complied with for the sake of such an opportunity i thought myself very lucky to be so well prepared by my cousin dolly's means for this search but yet i artfully made some scruples and not a few complaints of this treatment after which i not only gave her the keys of all but even officiously emptied my pockets before her, and invited her to put her fingers in my stays, that she might be sure I had no papers there. This highly obliged her, and she said she would represent my cheerful compliance as it deserved, let my brother and sister say what they would. My mother in particular, she was sure, would rejoice at the opportunity given her to obviate, as she doubted not would be the case, some suspicions that were raised against me she then hinted that there were methods taken to come at all mr lovelace's secrets and even from his careless communicativeness at some secret of mine it being she said his custom boastingly to prate to his very servants of his intentions in particular cases she added that deep as he was thought to be my brother was as deep as he and fairly too hard for him at his own weapons as one day it would be found i know not i said the meaning of these dark hints I thought the cunning she hinted at on both sides called rather for contempt than applause i myself might have been put upon artifices which my heart disdained to practice had i given way to the resentment which i was bold to say was much more justifiable than the actions that occasioned it that it was evident to me from what she had said that their present suspicions of me were partly owing to this supposed superior cunning of my brother and partly to the consciousness that the usage i met with might naturally produce a reason for such suspicions that it was very unhappy for me to be made the butt of my brother's wit that it would have been more to his praise to have aimed at shewing a kind heart than a cunning head that nevertheless i wished he knew himself as well as i imagined i knew him and he would then have less conceit of his abilities which abilities would in my opinion be less thought of if his power to do ill offices were not much greater than they i was vexed i could not help making this reflection the dupe the other too probably makes of him through his own spy deserved it but I so little approve of this low art in either, that were I but tolerably used the vileness of that man, that Joseph Lehman, should be inquired into. She was sorry, she said, to find that I thought so disparagingly of my brother. He was a young man both of learning and parts. Learning enough, I said, to make him vain of it among us women, but not of parts sufficient to make his learning valuable either to himself or to anybody else. She wished indeed that he had more good-nature but she feared that I had too great an opinion of somebody else to think so well of my brother as a sister ought, since between the two there was a sort of rivalry as to abilities, that made them hate one another. Rivalry, madam, said I, if that be the case, or whether it be or not, I wish they both understood better than either of them seemed to do, what it becomes gentlemen and men of liberal education to be and to do. Neither of them then would glory in what they ought to be ashamed of but waiving this subject it was not impossible i said that they might find a little of my writing and a pen or two and a little ink hated art or rather hateful the necessity for it as i was not permitted to go up to put them out of the way but if they did i must be contented and i assured her that take what time they pleased i would not go in to disturb them but would be either in or near the garden in this summer-house or in the cedar one or about my poultry-yard or near the great cascade till i was ordered to return to my prison with like cunning i said i suppose the unkind search would not be made till the servants had dined because i doubted not that the pert betty barnes who knew all the corners of my apartment and closet would be employed in it she hoped she said that nothing could be found that would give a handle against me for she would assure me the motives to the search on my mother's part especially were that she hoped to find reason rather to acquit than to blame me and that my father might be induced to see me to-morrow night or wednesday morning with temper With tenderness, I should rather say,' said she, for he is resolved to do so, if no new offence be given. "'Ah, madam!' said I. Why that, ah, madam, and shaking your head so significantly? I wish, madam, that I may not have more reason to dread my father's continued displeasure than to hope for his returning tenderness. "'You don't know, my dear. Things may take a turn. Things may not be so bad as you fear. Dearest madam, have you any consolation to give me?' "'Why, my dear, it is possible that you may be more compliable than you have been. "'Why raised you my hopes, madam? "'Don't let me think my dear Aunt Harvey, cruel to a niece who truly honours her.' "'I may tell you more, perhaps,' said she, "'but in confidence, absolute confidence, "'if the inquiry within came out in your favour. "'Do you know of anything above that can be found to your disadvantage?' "'Some papers they will find, I doubt, but I must take consequences. "'My brother and sister will be at hand with their good-natured constructions.' I am made desperate, and care not what is found. I hope, I earnestly hope, that nothing can be found that will impeach your discretion, and then—but I may say too much. And away she went, having added to my perplexity. But I now can think of nothing but this interview. Would to heaven it were over, to meet, to quarrel, but let him take what measures he will, I will not stay a moment with him, if he be not quite calm and resigned. Don't you see how crooked some of my lines are? Don't you see how some of the letters stagger more than others? That is when this interview is more in my head than in my subject. But after all should I, ought I, to meet him? How have I taken it for granted that I should? I wish there were time to take your advice. Yet you are so loath to speak quite out, but that I owe, as you own, to the difficulty of my situation. I should have mentioned that in the course of this conversation I besought my aunt to stand my friend, and to put in a word for me on my approaching trial and to endeavour to procure me time for consideration if i could obtain nothing else she told me that after the ceremony was performed odious confirmation of a hint in my cousin dolly's letter i should have what time i pleased to reconcile myself to my lot before cohabitation this put me out of all patience she requested of me in her turn she said that i would resolve to meet them all with cheerful duty and with a spirit of absolute acquiescence it was in my power to make them all happy and how joyful would it be to her she said to see my father, my mother, my uncles, my brother, my sister, all embracing me with raptures, and folding me in turns to their fond hearts, and congratulating each other on their restored happiness. Her own joy, she said, would probably make her motionless and speechless for a time, and for her dolly, the poor girl who had suffered in the esteem of some for her grateful attachment to me, would have everybody love her again. Will you doubt, my dear, that my next trial will be the most affecting that I have yet had? My aunt set forth all this in so strong a light, and I was so particularly touched on my cousin Dolly's account, that, impatient as I was just before, I was greatly moved. Yet could only shew by my sighs and my tears, how desirable such an event would be to me, could it be brought about upon conditions with which it was possible for me to comply. Here comes Betty Barnes with my dinner. The wench is gone. The time of meeting is at hand. Oh, that he may not come! But should I, or should I not meet him? How I questioned, without possibility of a timely answer! Betty, according to my leading hint to my aunt, boasted to me that she was to be employed, as she called it, after she had eat her own dinner. She should be sorry, she told me, to have me found out. Yet, t would be all for my good. I should have it in my power to be forgiven for all at once, before Wednesday night. The confident creature, then, to stifle a laugh, put a corner of her apron in her mouth, and went to the door, and on her return to take away, as I angrily bid her, she begged my excuse, but and then the saucy creature laughed again. She could not help it, to think how I had drawn myself in by my summer-house dinnering, since it had given so fine an opportunity, by way of surprise, to look into all my private hoards. She thought something was in the wind, when my brother came into my dining here so readily. Her young master was too hard for everybody. Squire Lovelace himself was nothing at all, at a quick thought, to her young master. My aunt mentioned Mr. Lovelace's boasting behaviour to his servants. Perhaps he may be so mean. But as to my brother, He always took a pride in making himself appear to be a man of parts and learning, to our own servants. Pride and meanness, I have often thought, are as nearly allied, and as close borderous upon each other, as the poet tells us wit and madness are. But why do I trouble you, and myself at such a crisis, with these impertinences? Yet I would forget, if I could, the nearest evil, the interview, because my apprehensions increasing as the hour is at hand, I should, were my intentions to be engrossed by them, be unfit to see him, if he does come, and then he will have too much advantage over me, as he will have seeming reason to reproach me with change of resolution. The upbraider, you know, my dear, is in some sense a superior, while the upbraided, if with reason upbraided, must make a figure as spiritless as conscious. I know that this wretch will, if he can, be his own judge, and mine too, but the latter he shall not be. I dare say we shall be all to pieces, but I don't care for that. It would be hard if I, who have held it out so sturdily to my father and uncles, should not but he is at the garden door. I was mistaken. How many noises unlike be made like to what one fears! Why flutters the fool so! I will hasten to deposit this. Then I will for the last time go to the usual place, in hopes to find that he has got my letter. If he has, I will not meet him. If he has not, I will take it back, and shew him what I have written. That will break the ice, as I may say, and save me much circumlocution and reasoning, and a steady adherence to that my written mind is all that will be necessary the interview must be as short as possible for should it be discovered it would furnish a new and strong pretence for the intended evil of wednesday next perhaps i shall not be able to write again one while perhaps not till i am the miserable property of that Solmes. but that shall never never be while i have my senses if your servant find nothing for me by wednesday morning he may then conclude that i can neither write to you nor receive your favours in that case pity and pray for me my beloved friend and continue to me that place in your affection, which is the pride of my life, and the only comfort left, to your Clarissa Harlow. End of letter 47